Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. Today our church around the world celebrates the Feast of All Souls, and it's a time for us to remember our deceased loved ones who have gone before us, to pray for them and ask for them to continue to pray for us. Now, if you go to the first reading from the Book of Wisdom, it reminds us to pray for our deceased loved ones, especially those in purgatory. Now, we know that very holy souls die and go directly to heaven. A great example of this is Mary, the mother of God. We believe in the doctrine of the assumption that she was assumed into heaven, body and soul. And yet most of us, with our souls, we need purification. We need to be purged of the effects of our sin throughout our life. We need to be properly ready, you could say predisposed, to receive full union with God in heaven. And see, in the first reading from the Book of Wisdom, you could say it is foreshadowing our doctrine on our knowledge of purgatory. Now, purgatory is something that is good. It's a common misconception. People think purgatory is something to be fearful of or deny. No, in fact, purgatory is something good. It's the next step away from heaven. Now, most of us who die need purgatory because we're not fully ready for full union with God. We need for ourselves a period in which we are properly ready, purged of our sins, so that we can properly enter the beauty of heaven and then be embraced and be in full union with God for all of eternity. I would argue if there's one thing that most Catholics don't understand, it's this concept of our doctrine of purgatory. Therefore, what I'd like to do is address it in this homily. Several years ago, Archbishop Cardinal George of Chicago wrote an article about purgatory, and he described it in these terms. He said, purgatory is kind of like a grandmother's house. The grandchildren love coming to the grandmother's house because they love their grandmother so much. And likewise, the grandmother always enjoys when her grandkids come over. Well, the grandkids do come over, and yet they don't go into the house right away. Instead, upon arriving at the grandmother's house, they immediately go into the backyard. Now, in the backyard is a huge area full of swings and trees and all different things to play on. And so, they spend for hours playing in the backyard. From time to time, the grandmother looks at throughout the window at her grandchildren and gazes upon them with love and pride. Well, after a while, it's dinner time. And so the grandmother opens up the door and she signals to the kids to come in. And then she stands at the doorway with her arms wide open, ready to embrace them. Now the grandmother sees the children. They're covered in mud and leaves and dirt. And yet, doesn't make a difference. She still wants them to come into her house right away. 
She still wants to embrace them. Why? Because this is her very nature. She's a naturally loving person. Now, the children know it's inappropriate to greet their grandmother, given how they look. And they don't want to mess up her very clean house. Now, the children feel compelled to clean themselves off so that they can properly enter their grandmother's house. So what do they begin to do? They start knocking off the mud from their shoes. They comb the leaves out of their hair. They start dusting themselves off from the dirt. And see, now they're properly ready to receive a loving embrace from their grandmother and go into the house for dinner. Well, Cardinal George would say purgatory is similar to this. Purgatory is a period in which we need to be properly cleansed to enter into heaven. God is like that grandmother, you know, so happy to receive her children. Regardless of how dirty we are, God just wants to embrace us and welcome into his house in heaven. Even though we are muddied or we have the leaves of sin stuck to us throughout our past life, God nonetheless wants us, desires us to come into heaven. And yet we impose purgatory on ourselves. God doesn't, no. Instead, we impose purgatory ourselves. Like those kids, we feel compelled to be able to be purified and purged so that we can properly be ready, properly be prepared so that we can receive God's embrace and then properly enter into a union of life with God for all of eternity in heaven. See, I think that's a wonderful image to help us understand what purgatory is. And so today, we remember our deceased loved ones, whether they're in heaven or purgatory, and we ask them to pray for us. They may be a world away, but they are still deeply close in our hearts and our minds. And we ask them to pray for us so that we can continue to live on in the faith. That's what Paul is getting at in the second reading from Romans. This reminds me of his letter to Timothy. We just read this about a month ago. Paul says in Timothy, The time of my departure is at hand. I've competed well. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. Paul right now sits in prison in Rome, awaiting his own execution. He's nearing the end of his life. His execution is only a few days or maybe even a few hours away. And so he reflects upon his life. And he wants to tell Timothy what was the single most important thing that he's ever done, that he thinks is the greatest thing he's ever done in his life. Now realize just how important this is. Paul is the apostle who evangelized two continents, not countries, continents, Asia and Europe. He established dozens and dozens of faith communities and churches, baptized thousands of people. And despite all that, he says to Timothy that the greatest thing that he's ever done is he's kept the faith, the faith in Christ and in the church. Well, we must do the same. We pray to our deceased loved ones. We pray that they will help us fight the good fight, run the race of our life, the race of discipleship in Christ, and that we too, when we look back on our life, we can say that we too have kept the faith. See, what we have to realize, our deceased loved ones in heaven represent a powerful spiritual force at our disposal. 
our relatives right now are in the presence of God and they're praying on our behalf. Therefore, it's important to ask them, our deceased loved ones, to intercede before us. Whatever we're praying for, whether they're prayers of gratitude and thanksgiving, whether they're prayers of asking things for God, we must ask our deceased loved ones to intercede on our behalf, given their close proximity to God. And see, that's what the gospel gives us, a wonderful image of what heaven is all about. See, Jesus gives us this image. He describes heaven in terms of a house, in this case, a home, a home for us all. As I've quoted to you before, St. John Chrysostom once said, we are resident aliens in this world, which means what? Our citizenship does not belong in this world. Instead, we are citizens of another world, the world of heaven. That's where our home is. And that's what Jesus gives us, that image in the gospel for today. It's a powerful image, yet it's very comforting too. Now, the one thing that we can take from this image is that God wants us close to him in his very own house. And that's all that God has ever wanted for us. Notice what Jesus says, what I have told you, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back again and take you there myself. Now, the first thing that we can note from this is the fact that Jesus himself prepares a place for us in heaven. He doesn't send an angel or an attendant or a saint to prepare this place. It's Christ himself, which means God truly wants us, desires us to be with him in heaven. Notice further, he says, I will come back again and take you there myself. So where I am, you may also be. Where I am going, you may know the way. Well, Christ himself comes for each and every one of us. At the point in time for us, you know, to transition from this world to the next, Jesus, again, he doesn't send an angel, doesn't send an apostle or a saint. He himself comes back for us. And he himself guides us back home to be in heaven. You know, it's similar to a good host who bends over backwards to make sure that all the guests at the party are well treated and are enjoying the celebration. Well, Jesus is the host. The celebration is eternal life. And Jesus will stop at nothing to ensure that first we arrive safely and then to ensure that our joy is made complete. Well, he's already done this for our deceased loved ones, and he will do the same thing for us at our appointed time. That's why it's so important for us today and every day to remember and celebrate our deceased loved ones who have gone before us. They've walked a journey, a pathway that Jesus Christ first established through his death and resurrection. And it's a pathway that our grandparents, parents, maybe even our children have walked before us. It's a pathway that we hopefully will walk ourselves one day, guided by Jesus Christ. As he says in the gospel, where I am going, you may know the way. Well, one day we will know the way because Jesus Christ will guide us, guide us home where we belong with God for all of eternity. And that's something that we should always hold on to, hope and pray for each and every day of our life. 
It's important for us to always pray for our deceased loved ones each and every day of our life and ask that they continue to pray for us. And so we pray, eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord, and let perpetual light shine upon them. May their souls and all the souls of the faithful departed rest in the peace of Christ. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.